Billy here. Welcome to 20 Minutes or So with a series of conversations recorded throughout the 2020 and 2021 lockdowns. Today, it's 20 Minutes or So with the comedian, presenter and esports fanatic Tom Deacon. What have you got to say for yourself today, sir? Uh, I, wow, I've never been asked that before. It was so aggressive as a start. Um, what have you got to say for yourself? I've got to say this. I'm, I'm in a very good mood. It's a delight to, to chat to both of you. And I have to say, I've already picked my favourite. That's Patrick, because his uh, surname is my first name, really. So, you know, that, if we're going to decide who my favourite person is, I've already decided, but great to be chatting wow. to you. That wasn't the I, I should say, I should say, the reason for the sort of aggressive introduction is that normally we would introduce people with a long stream about um, their career and, and what they do, but we thought it'd be better to get you to do that yourselves. I'll tell you why. <laughs> we'll, we'll just play you this little clip. BBC Radio 1. Now, we ask everyone who comes onto the Wednesday Night Club uh, this question, so it's your turn, gentlemen. Mm. What do you think you are most famous for? It's your turn, Tom. What do you think you're most famous for? Wow. I was, uh, that was a blast from the past. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, I don't even remember saying those things. You never get that as you get older. Um, uh, did I used to really ask people what you think? Um, well, right now, I would currently say if you like F1, uh, people would know me for being F1 esports host, um, which is which is very cool. Or you might still remember me from doing uh, Copper 90s Eurofan, where I travelled around the world watching Champions League football. So it, wow. probably those are on a par um, to, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, no, what goes around comes around is what I'm thinking in my head right now after, after hearing that clip. <laughs> well, crucially, you're also an amazing stand-up comedian, uh, which, you, which you've been doing for a while now. You, you did miss that out. However, let's go back to 2008 where you won Chortle Student Comedian of the Year. Back then, was there any now famous faces in your cohort? Yes, uh, more successful, funnier people that have worked yeah, on it. I just know what it, what it is in stand-up comedy is you're just so gung-ho when you start out. So I just left uni that that sort of like a month before um, and I was in the same competition with Ed Gamble, who uh, I live with wow. uh, a previous uh, one, a, a further Edinburgh, uh, love him to bits. And um, yeah, he's amazing. Him and James Acaster with their their podcast, their world renowned. Um, so yeah, it, he was he was strong competition. But back then in 2008, I was better. So uh, there you go. <laughs> we do try and, and do one serious question in every interview we do. How much has the world of comedy changed between 2008 and 2021? Ooh, that is a serious question. I can answer it. Uh, it's changed lots. There's more comedians. I think the lineups are more diverse. I think uh, comedy has left behind. I wouldn't. I don't want to say working men's club mentality because that's not what it's always like. But I think a stag hen heavy to name a comedy company that used to be on Jonglers. I, I feel like it was, it was like, you've got to have jokes every 15 seconds. It's bam, bam. It's just constant. Whereas now it's, I think comedy has got more of a narrative form. Not that I would say that it didn't have before, but I feel like you have a, a broader range of punchlines and, and jokes and why something's funny. So I think it's opened up a lot to having people from different backgrounds, different styles. Whereas at one time it was, yeah, your, your jokes are not, you haven't got enough jokes in a minute. Um, you can't perform at the comedy store. Whereas now 
uh, there's there's yeah like a broader range of comedy. But I think I think also it's it's just become so fractured in a way that you've got comedy nights for every occasion. You've got different art centers opening up. Touring comedy uh, is is lucrative uh, for for some comics that have done a, a lot of TV. The TV work opportunities become scarcer, but more available for for certain acts they're looking for. So I I think it's it's it is definitely not the scene when I started. It was just about being how funny can you be for twenty minutes and make sure that that twenty minutes is bulletproof. Whereas now uh, and it's it. I'm not saying I disagree with it, but now you don't have to be bulletproof. You can just be really interesting um, and people want to want to watch that. So I think it's changing for the better. Um, and uh, what am I supposed to say positive at the end of this? Um, there's enough work for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, might be a stupid question. Presumably it's been amazing <laughs> doing, um, doing live gigs again. Oh, it, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Like the thing that you do that I, back from 2008, I mean, I've gone on to do presenting work. You played a clip there of me. But the whole reason I got into wanting to do stand-up comedy was to to connect with an audience there in front of me. And that's the thing that I've loved all the years I've been doing it. But when it gets taken away and you're on a laptop uh, and at the end of the set, you close the laptop and your girlfriend says, have you done the gig yet? And you're kind of like, oh, wow, that is what, did you not hear me? No, I just didn't even know you'd done it. It's like, it's kind of, if a stand-up comic performs on on Zoom, it's like that classic joke about if a tree falls in a woods, does it make a sound? That's kind of what we felt like (laughs) because you're trying to connect with people. So now that we're able to do that, um, yeah, it's now... People at live comedy gigs are remembering how to be and they're sort of chilling out a bit because Mm. going out um, and being amongst other people is becoming a norm again. Uh, For a while it wasn't. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, I I don't miss Zoom gigs, but they were fun. But yeah, being amongst other people and and having a great night is, is what it's all about. Yeah, we had um, Stephen Bailey on and he was saying he kind of sneaky enjoyed looking into people's homes and their kitchens and their living rooms. But it's not the same as seeing them when, you know, hundreds of them laughing at you. No, not at all. And also, I remember uh, who I, I, Stephen, I love, uh, we did a gig together, myself, him, um, and Tanya Moore for The Guardian. And I'll tell you what, guys, I did not know what The Guardian wanted in terms of jokes. <laughs> Stephen didn't know. <laughs> Tanya didn't know. I had no idea. We were just like, wow. Did that gig, we, we had like a, a three-way WhatsApp call where we were just consoling each other. Like, was that, what, what just happened there? But uh, yeah, you do get a window into, into people's lives. And I kind of missed that because at the stand-up gig, you're just taking them on face value. Whereas before you could really look in and go, is that really what your TV set up? Talk to me about that. Like you get an insight into their world. Um, but yes, Stephen's great. And um, we all died at that gig, so it's fine. Tom Deacon is the man we're with. Most famous for, as you said, F1 Esports and the Copper 90 Euro fan. Is that right? Yes, Did I get that, right? that, is, that is correct. Yeah, you, you absolutely smashed it. I, that, that's the thing that when you do work, whatever profession for anyone who's listening right now, you always remember for one thing. And that seems to be the thing for me. Euro fan, people message me every now and again on my Instagram and say, oh, mate, honestly, when I, my, oh, getting into football, loved what you were doing. And um, I've obviously put that voice on for them, regardless, uh, male or female. But um, they, um, yeah, they, they say that they really connected with it. And then you know that you did something good, which people appreciate. So, so that's why. 
when I was looking up on your website, just in case there was anything we didn't know about you that we could ask you about, we did think about the F1 esports. It jumped out to me, partly because when I read the lines, F1 esports pro series, virtual Grand Prix, what on earth does that mean? No, so it's a list of words just thrown out, hoping one of them will hit. Uh, it's almost like uh, a set that I, I performed like the other night in Solcombe. Um, But uh, just hoping, praying <laughs> one of them uh, that would hit or land. Um, essentially, the virtual Grand Prix took over when lockdown happened and there was no sport, there was no competitive anything really going on unless it was online. So they decided, look, we can't have F1 races. Motorsport in general isn't happening at all. So we will get some F1 drivers uh, from their houses, give them a rig, which is essentially like a seat with a steering wheel, pedals, and we'll get them to race each other. And they had sports stars as well, like Ben Stokes, um, Stuart Broad, like cricketers, um, to footballers like uh, Sergio Aguero. Um, I don't know why I wanted to shout his name there, like the Premier League title winning <laughs> moment. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and, and so uh, they just put them in, and raced them together. But that, that was just incredible. Uh, it was the eeriest, weirdest moment of getting on a Sunday night into my car when no one else was out on the roads in London, driving to the to the studio, getting out, doing this show, and then getting back in and going, what am I going to do for the rest of the week? Sit in, I guess. Uh, it was just, <laughs> it was bizarre. But but it, the F1 esports is essentially uh, F1 teams sign drivers who are professional, compete online, um, and then there's a title and a championship every year. And it was just so cool to have the actual F1 drivers competing Um yeah, just for people's fun. And so, so yeah, long title, hard to explain. I hope I got there. <laughs> Can we see it soon? Is it going to be somewhere to watch? Or Yeah, it's, it's coming back again. Um, they condense it down on, onto Sky, but normally it's just worldwide. I mean, you get over 100 odd countries around the world uh, watching in live. So there'll be myself, Nick Hamilton, um, a guy called Matt Gallagher, who does WTF1, which is huge on 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 YouTube and Natalie Pinkham who does the actual Sky F1 and we all club together and um, we make yeah this this show happen and it's it's so cool to watch these guys who dedicate we're talking seven hours eight hours a day signed by F1 teams to compete on this game and um, yeah it's it's, it's it's inspiring and it's it's bonkers because the first one we ever did was out in Abu Dhabi at an actual Grand Prix um, where we had a villa and I remember the this never been done before. So we're doing this live show and all I'm thinking in my head is just don't muck it up. Just don't muck it up. Don't muck it up. This could be something, Tom, you'll be, you could be famous for this. And then when <laughs> Billy and Patrick ask, what are you most famous for? This could be that moment. Never just hold on to it. Uh, and then I remember the producer, Amir go, you've got Fernando Alonso coming up, uh, to just interview him. That wasn't planned. Uh, so it's just absolutely bonkers. And then five years on, we're still doing it. And then, for the worst reasons ever, the whole world gets to find out about it because we did the virtual Grand Prix. So, um, yeah, that, and being on Sky Sports, actually the main Sky Sports main event, uh, that was a kind of a dream come true. And my mates were like, well, well done you, mate. And he took a worldwide pandemic for that to happen. Oh, cheers, guys. Cheers. I love yeah. your support. <laughs> every cloud, every cloud. Um, so, Tom, from today, and you're actually the first person to be part of this new thing we're doing. Um, happens quite a lot. You know, most things don't work on the show. We move on. But this is a new thing. Might be the same. Um, we're going to ask all of our guests to provide me and Patrick with a game of would we rather. Uh, and so, Tom, you have the privilege of being the first ever person to do this. Can you please give 
give me and Patrick a would we rather question? Oh, it'd be my absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Um, I love this game, would you rather? But because there's two of you, let's mix it up a little bit. Uh, would you rather be, I've been watching a lot of detective stuff recently. Would you rather be Jimmy McNulty or Bunk Moreland from The Wire or Rusty Cole and Matty Hart from True Detective? That's the one with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Fantastic. Both are incredible. But which one would you rather be? Which pair would we rather be? Um, Patrick, do you want to tell Tom the news or should I? I mean, it's not necessarily bad no, news. Not, no, no. Uh, we may have neither of us might have neither seen either of these programs before so sure. when we so it's we're, we're launching this feature we're kind of piloting the idea <laughs> sure um, okay okay so what, 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 it, what are you saying a little bit of an explainer of, of who these people are okay right okay i mean yeah i, I see what's happened there um you know I, i've thrown out a stinker to start with uh, <laughs> and that's fine because you know yeah, what maybe. i think People live in fear that they're going to make a mistake, but yeah. I've made a career out of it, so don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, I can still pay the bills, just about. Right, okay. So if you've not watched it, The Wire, set in Baltimore, it's incredible. Ignore, I think it's season two or three, you can ignore, but the rest of it's brilliant. It comes full circle. It's uh, incredible. Um, there's a, there's an amazing scene where these two detectives, McNulty, uh I can't swear, so I won't, but it's, it's tagline that both of them go to a murder scene and they keep using the F word repeatedly. That's all they say for about a good three or four minutes of this scene. <laughs> it's historic. You uh, Recently, the actor who played Omar uh, sadly passed away, so people were reminiscing about how good The Wire was. It's iconic. It's incredible. Well worth watching. Uh, and the other one, uh, True Detective um, is is has got as I mentioned before Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. So that's all I need to say on that yeah. one because uh, I watched it a long time ago. But what, what I'm trying to say is two really cool detectives having to do a terrible job. Uh, I'd say that um, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson are trying to capture and get hold of a, a serial killer uh, i don't want to ruin it but they do and um and and, uh, and the wire ends sadly because it just comes life comes full circle so basically ch choose which dysfunctional people you'd rather be right well i was actually expecting a massive um what you haven't seen the wire you haven't seen Drew. I I'm quite impressed about that detailed answer. So this is actually a very good first um, first try for this feature, I think. Patrick, I mean, based on the actors. Yeah, I mean, I think based on the actors, we've got to go McConaughey and Harrison, really. Yeah, yeah. Without even considering the context of the show. But then mm. The Wire is, is, even though I haven't seen it, I've heard a lot more about it. <sighs> I think I'd probably have to stick with McConaughey. I mean, then we get into the argument about which one of us is which. That was my next thing. I think yeah. mm. I think we've got to go True Detective, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And to, just around this successful first uh, feature of Would We Rather Off, Tom, tell us who would be who? Would I be oh, Matthew McConaughey or would I be Woody Harrelson? I think just by your general demeanor, uh, your voices, your attitude, the the sassiness of you, uh, really, Billy, um, is what I'm getting a lot of. A lot of sass there, a lot of sass. <laughs> I can imagine you being quite confident with maybe there's something wrong, been added to your bill at a restaurant. Uh, Patrick, why do you more, say that? That happened yeah. twice this weekend. And I bet you kicked the 
Well, God, you damn know what? hell off. <laughs> Do you know what? So the first time it actually went pretty bad, turned out that we got to the end of the bill after so many problems. The waiter comes over, the table next to us has a dish that we ordered uh, with a certain part of, of the food that didn't come on our dish. So we were missing like meat served with this fondue, right? We didn't get the meats gets to the end of the bill, literally paying after so many other problems, he lies to our face there and then. is like, yeah, it doesn't come with that. Don't worry about it. So we carry on with the payment. Had that have happened, I'd have taken that card away and been like, mate, oh. come on. So that was the first time. The second one um, turned out really well. The, guy, the, the manager comes over and goes, so guys, heard you've had some loads of problems. Everything okay? And I kind of kept it vague. I was like, yeah, we've had you know a few, uh, let's say logistical and technicalities. And he was like, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Your whole meal's free. And would you like no, a bottle of, would you like a bottle of Prosecco on the top? And I was like, Well, actually, yeah, you know, we, you know, logistically tech, whatever I said like that. And I was like, but yeah, that would be nice. So completely <laughs> free meal, free bottle of Prosecco, two ends of the spectrum. But but hang on, hang on, hang on. What were you doing going out for sort of meaty fondue? That's the yeah. real headline here. <laughs> well, it's what a, was that about? It's a new restaurant in Stratford, which is an alpine-themed, sort of ski-themed place. And they do, like, fondue and tartiflette, and it's all, like, wood and got loads of pictures up. Really cool. There you yeah. Go. Well, for a man who does, might understand après ski, I don't, personally. I just went at GCSE level, uh, at sort of age, um, at, uh, and I could never afford it. We, it was basically just upside-down bristles on a brush. Uh, that's all we were doing. Uh, someone broke their wrist, and I thought, it's not for me. So I think with that answer, Billy, uh, that means Woody Harrelson goes to Patrick Thomas. More relaxed, more chilled about stuff. You are... You're sort of Lincoln lawyer. You're kind of, you've got that Matthew, you know, Dallas Buyers Club. There's something about you. You get, you get stuff done. That's, that's all I'm saying. And that's, and I, I thoroughly enjoy the acting work of Woody Harrelson, Patrick. I'm not, I'm not complaining. He's a very, you know, he's a very talented man. He knows what he's doing. Um, Tom, we haven't got much time left, but we do want to ask you a security question. Just um, going forward, you know, sometimes they ask you for like your mother's maiden name or the place you were born. Uh, well, I had this thing earlier in the summer where I was filling out a form and it asked me a long list of security questions. So I'm just going to pick one at random uh, and ask you, I think I'm going to go for uh, what were you doing on New Year's Eve 1999? Just a quick <laughs> security answer would be good if, that, if that's all right. Uh, sure, uh, I can tell you this, uh, and I don't think I've ever told anybody. 1999, uh, so solid year. Uh, did you say 2019 or did you say 1999? 1999. Okay, good. Double check-in. Uh, both scenarios the same. What I thought was be a good idea was to kickstart the healthy sort of like, yeah, I can be healthy. I can get on board with this. Um, so I had a, a, a smoothie, a healthy smoothie. Um, and on the day of, of New Year's Eve um, and New Year's Day, I, I was just sharting. Um, so uh, the answer to, to that, I don't know why. I think it, they put something, the kale had been off. Um, so yeah, just 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 sharting. Um, and I lost a good, and I, I don't know why you're bringing it up. I lost a good pair of uh, Calvin Klein white boxes, which, which really did sharp everything. So the point is, is um, I was I wasn't feeling very well, uh, Patrick. That would be the answer. I wasn't expecting that. Well, maybe that was the first time we do. Um, would we rather? And maybe the last time we do a security question based on that answer. Um, Tom, before you go, um, you do voiceover work, so of course we're going to squeeze every ounce of your talent from this interview. Would you possibly consider doing a quick line of something like you're listening to Islington Radio with Billy Draper and Patrick Thomas? I've had the best time ever. 
no, because one thing I've learned uh, is you have to be honest. Um, and and if you've not enjoyed yourself, when the fun <laughs> stops. Uh, <laughs> Actually, the opposite would be better. No, no, I was, I was going to do it. I was going to do I it. I want I was... you to do the opposite now. <laughs> oh, this is the worst interview I've ever had. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're listening to Islington Radio with uh, Billy Draper and Patrick Thomas. And you know what? You'll probably have an average time. Thanks for listening to another one of our 20-minute or so conversations. If you want to hear more from me and Billy, you can listen to our show on Islington Radio. Just head to mixcloud.com forward slash Islington Radio. Or if you want to get in touch with us, we're Billy D Paddy T on Instagram or T at gmail.com. Really hope you've enjoyed the podcast. It was presented and produced by Billy Draper and Patrick Thomas. The music was by Cambo.